Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And good morning. Welcome to more Healthy Matters presented every Sunday by friends at uh, Hennepin County Medical Center. Dr. David Hilden is your host. Uh, he's so used to television, we have put him in makeup before he started the show. Oh, today. good grief, Danny. Good morning. <laughs> You've yeah. been on TV a lot. Yeah, I've been on, I've been on some local and, and even a, one national spot, mostly about the flu, uh, yeah. doing some spots because that seems to be what's on a lot of people's minds. I do like radio, though, because you can come in. I know I've got a black tuxedo on and, and full yeah, makeup. Yeah, you normally but, but you, do. You more normally are formal. Yeah, but, very uh, formal. No, but I love that about radio is, is that uh, I, you can't see me, everybody. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, you have to work and you're in your scrubs or something. Exactly, you know? yeah. exactly. In fact, I am going to work today um, um, for a day. Uh, just uh, somebody's got to cover the cover the shifts. Well, the what, you know, seriously, the, the flu is, uh, like you said, is in the news a lot as well it should be. How are things this past week since you and I spoke? Right. It's been a, um, about where we've plateaued in the flu, meaning it's not better, it's not worse. And so I guess if you were to say, how does that compare to previous years, it's just by far much worse mm. than any previous year. Um, we, we've had a, a few, how am I going to say this right? It's been a slight trend downward in the number of hospitalizations but it's still way above last year. I think the state of Minnesota has over 4,000 hospitalizations now for the year, and that is more than most of the past five or six years Ooh. for the whole flu season. Wow. So we've surpassed the, the previous recent past in hospitalizations, and it's still only mid-February. Yeah. So that's we've got a long way to go. The flu season usually – we'll have cases into May – um, uh, but it usually starts to taper off in February and March, and, and, and so we should see fewer. But it's been just a horrible year. Yeah. And it's, um, it's bad for uh, older adults. They're getting it now. They're getting it in nursing facilities and older adults who are less uh, in less robust health. It's been un- unfortunately, just tragically, a few more children have died in the state of Minnesota. Really tragic. There's been a few of those. I just don't even know what to say about that. That is so tragic. There's some good news about the flu vaccine this year, though. Um, we've I've been saying for weeks, I wish it were better. It's not the best vaccine going. This year wasn't so great, but it's not as bad as we thought. They have now um, looked at the the data, and for adults, you know, you, you hear this ten percent right. effectiveness all the time. That's not accurate. It's much better than that. It's not, and for children, for children, the vaccine is well over 50, 60 percent effective. Oh, that's, that's as good, good as any vaccine in any year for children. So it's really working quite well for children. And unfortunately, the most of the kids who are getting flu are the ones who were not vaccinated. So it is not too late. In fact, this is a year that you should even now in mid-February go get the vaccine. Get your children vaccine. 
uh, vaccinated. It is a good, relatively good vaccine for children. And here's the other thing about the vaccine. It carries four strains of influenza in it. And the the nasty one this year, the H3N2, that's what we've seen a lot of. But it's a, in a typical flu year, influenza B starts to take over later in the year. And that's the that's where we're getting now. And the vaccine um, is likely to be far more effective against that. So um, it's still worth getting that vaccine, even though it's not a great year. It's not as bad as we thought for the vaccine. And it's very good for children. Good. Good advice. I want to remind our listeners, doctor, that this is an open line show. What does that mean? If you're new listeners, by the way, thanks for joining us. Uh, an open line show means you can ask the questions of your doctor. We're not uh, we're not uh, talking about any particular topic. You can ask about the flu if you like, but any general questions for you or a loved one, uh, whatever you want to do, call us, text us. Here's the phone number. We've cleared the lines. If you want call call in your uh, medical question for Doctor Hilden six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Or uh, send a text if that's easier, 81807. I know you do a tweet thing too. but <laughs> I, do, I do a tweet thing. Uh, you know, it's something I do kind of on the side. Um, but uh, uh, my Twitter um, – what is it? My Twitter name, my Twitter handle is uh, Dr. David Hilden. You know, whenever I think of – so it's all one word, Dr. David Hilden. Whenever I um, – Whenever I think of Twitter handles, I think of the old CB radio days. Did you ever have oh, a CB radio yeah. You know, day? I did briefly. <laughs> I did. I can't remember if I had a handle. <laughs> it used to be cool to take good road buddy. trips. Yeah, I'd say good buddy. There, they played that CV convoy song. Yeah, and then I remember you. It was always used to be super cool to listen. You tried to find the station or the channel that the truckers were yeah. were monitoring, so you could listen to the truckers. That was pretty cool. To yeah. anyway, I don't know what if I'm they still use those? These I, don't days. I don't know. But anyway, I want to talk a little bit as we line up phone sure. calls, which are coming in already. I want to talk a little bit about last week's show, a little um, uh, uh, recap of what we did last week because I've gotten a lot of feedback about how informative Dr. Eduardo Colon was oh, yes. talking about mood disorders. And and it's so hard to talk about mental health issues and particularly things like depression, particularly on a Sunday morning. We're trying to make the show and healthcare accessible and lighthearted and all that. So how do you do that when the subject is something that's depressing, like depression, and but so important? And and so um, I've gotten a lot of feedback that they really appreciated Dr. Cologne's um, perspective on on depression. And in follow-up, I did do a relatively lengthy website um, posting about the show. It's on myhealthymatters.org. That's all one word, um, where I have some pictures of Dr. Cologne. I have lots of links to depression resources. There is There are links there to some data sites. Importantly, there's a link to the NAMI site. NAMI is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, and it is a great resource for people who are either struggling with mental illness like depression or have loved ones who are struggling with mental health issues. So that's the NAMI site, N-A-M-I. I have links to that as well. In addition, I have um, – I have you I have access to the podcast of last week's show because I still think the best way to learn about depression is not to me read me writing about it, but it's to listen to Dr. Cologne as he <clears throat> describes it. And you can very easily um get to the podcast from myhealthymatters.org and listen to the podcast, check out some of the links, or just read what I have written um that is sort of a recap of last week's show. I really encourage you to do that. Um, particularly uh, check out the good folks at NAMI. I have no connection to them, by the mm-hmm. way. It's not a 
for-profit organization. It is simply a terrific resource for people with mental illness, N-A-M-I, NAMI. So that's on the website. And then there's one last thing on there. I There was a beautiful essay written by a medical student that was recently published just this week in one of the nation's premier medical uh, journals. And it, it talks about her struggles with depression and how sometimes your health care giver, your doctor might be struggling with such issues. And, and she talks about the stigmatization of mental illness. So I really encourage you to read that. That link is on there as well. So it's myhealthymatters.org for all of that. And with that, that's enough yeah. about depression. Should we we have law ready? We do. Phones are are filling and the text yep. lines filling up. In fact, Doctor, we have one line open if you'd like to fill it. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. We'll get to the text messages. But the folks have been waiting online. Joe is calling from Apple Valley. Joe, you're on CCO with Dr. Hilden. Yes, sir. Um, I just want to ask a question. Oh, about five years ago, I had a heart ablation because I had AFib. And now recently, I'm getting skipped heartbeats. Is that a real concern? Well, yeah. Um, thanks for your call, Joe. It's not um, uh, necessarily a concern, but it is probable that you're, um, either your atrial fibrillation has come back, which is common even after an ablation, or you have some other kind of um, arrhythmia, just some premature beats, which are, are, um, might not mean anything. So what I say, is it of some concern? It's it's concerning enough that I would go have it looked at. I would go back to your doctor, probably your cardiologist, and say, hey, I'm having these skipped heartbeats. They can run a, a monitor of your heart and see if there's anything to be concerned about. Atrial fibrillation comes back in a number of people that have ablation, a not insignificant number. And so you would want to know if you're back in atrial fibrillation, mostly because you have to you have to make some decisions about blood thinners. You have to make some decisions about whether you want to uh, try to get yourself out of that rhythm again. For listeners who don't have atrial fibrillation or, or don't know what we're talking about, it is a relatively common heart arrhythmia where the upper chambers of your heart, that's the first sound in your heart sounds, the lub-dub, lub-dub, the lub part, the first part, isn't beating in a coordinated fashion. It's just quivering. Your body can live fine with that. It's not perfect, but your body can live with that. Um, and so that's what Joe is talking about. So what I would suggest, Joe, is that you do go in, find out what those are, see if you're back in atrial fibrillation, or see if they're just um, some other kind of rhythm problem, or if they're just a, an occasional premature beat. An occasional premature beat is usually of no significance. All right, very good. Thanks, Joe, for the call. I know we have to break shortly, but Betty in uh, St. Louis Park, I believe, has been uh, waiting. Betty, what is your question for the doctor? My question is about something called NOLO going around, uh, a diarrhea thing, and what the symptoms are. Is it contagious? And if it's uh, contagious, how is it transmitted? And what can you do about it? Great questions, all of them, Betty. Um, it's norovirus, N-O-R-O. And the short answer is, is it contagious? That is a resounding yes. Um, uh, not even close. It is very contagious, very, very, very contagious, if it's norovirus. Some people might know this as the cruise ship virus, but the cruise ships would not want me to say that. But it is a viral illness of the stomach and intestinal tract. The symptoms are very watery diarrhea, cramping in your belly, usually comes on relatively quickly, and it's profuse. You have a lot of diarrhea, and it usually goes away relatively quickly. You're not going to have this for a week or two or three. So if you're having diarrhea for, for weeks, it's probably not norovirus. 
Uh, it's prob- but there's several other things it could be, but probably not norovirus. Um, how is it transmitted? It is transmitted by something that is disgustingly called in medical schools the fecal-oral route. And so what that means is from stool to through your you, – you ingest it. But clearly, um, uh, you're, it's more subtle than that. So what happens is that it gets on people's bodies and it gets on surfaces. And so that's – what and, and it just passes like mad on surfaces. And then you touch your mouth or something after having touched a surface and it is very transmittable that way. What do you do about it? You maintain hydration. You can um, – you stay fluids, fluids, fluids. You really try to remain hyd- hydrated and get some electrolytes, maybe some chicken broth or some some type of electrolytes. Um, maybe a sports drink might help to get some of those electrolytes back. Eat some crackers, some salty things, some bland things as best you can. And then it usually gets better in a few days. If you do not get better in a few days or if you're getting dizzy or the diarrhea is so profuse, then you could go into your doctor and they can try something stronger. All right. We have to take a break, doctor. We have more callers to help out and texters as well. So stay with us here. It's an open line show on Healthy Matters. Right now in the Twin Cities Overcast, a breezy day today could be gusting to 30 miles an hour. Our CCO temperature reading right now, 22, going for 40. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. You drive the show, your questions via phone or text. And Dr. Hilden, we have a bunch of both. So let's uh, let's get back to it. Ruth is calling from Victoria. Go ahead, Ruth. Thank you. Okay. I have a uh, compression fracture of the lumbar spine number five. And uh, it's going down my left leg uh, in, in sciatica. And I had a cortisone shot about a week ago, and that did not touch it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really in a lot of pain, and I'm trying to figure out, is there any medication I can take to help this, or do I just kind of wait this out? Um, will, will this disappear in time? Ruth, those are terrific questions, and it might disappear in time. It might, um, uh, particularly if the fracture was relatively recently. You, Yes, there are medications. Um, there are things ranging everything from ibuprofen all the way up to narcotic pain medications. There are some that are a little better for neuropathic pain, which is probably what you have because um, the nerve is getting pinched. So there are some medications. Gabapentin is one of them. Um, amitriptyline is one of them. They all need a prescription, but they're all, none of them are perfect. And, and the reason I even sound hesitant about them, Ruth, is that your nerve is probably being pinched. It's like your, your, your compressed lumbar vertebra, the fifth one that is compressed. That's what a compression fracture is. It's not cracked in half. It's compressed. That thing is probably pressing on the nerve, which is causing the pain. And as long as that compression exists, it's very difficult for a pill to fix the pain. All a pill can do is kind of deaden it for several hours. So what I suggest is that you do indeed seek out a physician to give you some medications for the short term, for the next week or two or three, and see if it does get better. And then maybe you can come off of those. They would not be good long-term things probably. What you might need long term is to see a low back specialist, probably a surgeon, and see if there's any way to relieve the pressure, even if that means surgically. But people, after they have compression fractures, often those things stabilize and it does get better on its own after a while. I just can't promise that. That might not get better, but there's hope that it might. Okay. 
All right. Thanks, Ruth. Let's uh, go to Dick, who's calling from uh, Minneapolis. Uh, go ahead, Dick. Thank you. Hello there. Uh, I had a shot, flu shot in September. Would it help to have another one? Um, good question, Dick, but we don't recommend the second one um, simply because um, your immune system it, it is going to be fine over the um, the course of the season. And the second shot would have exactly what's in the first shot. Um, and so the um, if if the second shot, theoretically speaking, could add some additional <laughs> strains into it or provide some additional coverage, then we would probably recommend it. But it doesn't. It is simply the same four strains of the flu that were in the first shot you got, and your body's immune system to those four is is as good as it's going to be. The reason the shot is a little less effective isn't because your body's immune system and the shot weren't working together. It's that the virus was mutating and changing um, in the time that they invented the shot, which is six months before the flu season. The virus changed and it changes just that quickly and it has, it continues to change. So they have the shots are on a six to 12 month delay from the viruses and those little buggers are very good at mutating. And so the second shot wouldn't add any additional, um, coverage. It probably wouldn't hurt. People say, Oh, I accidentally got a second shot because I forgot. I got my one in September and I got one at work and then I got another one because you've been harping on me. Is that dangerous? No, it's it, you're fine if you got a second shot. It's just probably not going to offer much help. Okay, very good. Let's take Kathy's call. Then we're going to promise our texters we'll we'll get to their questions. Kathy is calling from Blaine. Go ahead, Kathy. Thanks. Hey, good morning, you guys. I'm very thankful that you took my call. I have a question about a friend of mine who. Uh, now this is kind of long, but I just want to see if I can get this through so that you can you understand what I'm talking about. In 1999, she had she was she had breast cancer. Uh, she had radiation. She has any problem with anything except for she does have an arm that swells quite regularly. Anyway, what happened was she fell uh, a couple about a month ago, and now she's having so much trouble. She says she's so cold. She went to a doctor, and the doctor said there's nothing wrong. Um, should she be concerned about that? Yeah. Um, thanks for your call, uh, Kathy. It's hard. It's hard for me to – when the doctor says there's nothing wrong with that, what that doctor probably should be saying is that I can't find anything that's right. wrong, but there could well be something wrong. You know, the patients aren't lying. They're not making this stuff up. Clearly, something's going on. It's just that we can't find it. So that's my first response. I'm having a great hard time also, though, determining what the being cold all the time in the last month is. I don't know if it's related to the breast cancer and radiation, but it doesn't sound like it would be. At least that would not be a common side effect. Now, if she were on some chemotherapy or some new medications, that could be messing with her body's metabolism somehow. She might want to have her thyroid checked when, because whenever we hear somebody's cold, we think of your thyroid. Um, and so that's at least a possibility that it's a coincidental thing that uh, she is developing these cold symptoms. And then I would look to see what the fall was. If that was a mechanical fall, meaning she tripped, then I'm not worried about it. But if you're not sure of how your friend fell, like she's getting dizzy or weak, then that involves uh, needs a workup. So she should get basic blood tests and um, perhaps some uh, chest imaging, a chest X-ray, um, uh, uh, just kind of routine breast cancer follow-up. And then if the doctor continu- continues to say, I can't find what's wrong, which he or she might, 
then um, I'm a little bit at a loss as well about why someone would be cold. But the person I would see is an endocrinologist, not your cancer doctor. But go to a specialist in endocrinology. That's hormonal things. It's metabolism kinds of things and seeing if that person can find out something. All right. I know we have to break in about a minute. Uh, in the, thanks, Kathy. And uh, we'll, we have another half hour of the show to go, but maybe we could quickly answer a text or so before the break. Let's do that. Um, first, The first one that came and says, I am 82 female and healthy. That's terrific. Uh, and then she says, I take amlodipine twice per day for high blood pressure. How much water should I be drinking each day? The amlodipine is a blood pressure medicine um, that sometimes leads to a little leg swelling. I don't know if that texter is worried about that. But um, we often tell people, how much water should you drink a day? Drink when you're thirsty. That whole thing about drinking eight, eight-ounce glasses of water, it's, although that's not going to hurt you. It's probably not. There's no evidence that that's the right amount. Your body's very good at telling you when you need to drink. So drink when you're thirsty. Make And, and it's a probably a good idea to flush yourself out with making sure you're urinating a lot. So if your urine is dark yellow or anything dark, then you're maybe not drinking enough. That's a sign of um, – uh, dehydration, but I don't think it has much to do with your amlodipine medication. You can just drink when you're thirsty, ma'am. All right, very good. We have, as I said, another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. In the Twin Cities, we did uh, get a text from Kissimmee, Florida, at 61 there right now, but here in the Twin Cities, it's 22 degrees. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And a good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. That means your uh, your calls, your questions for Dr. David Hilden, your host, and text messages as well. And as you can see, Dr. Hilden, we've got so many text messages. I don't want to ignore those folks anymore. Should we pick up on a few Let's of Let's do just that. Thanks, Denny. I will, I'll go to the text message. I'm going to start off with just by paraphrasing several of them about influenza. Um, because that seems to be a, a kind of the medical topic of the last six weeks or so. I brought up earlier in the first half of the show that the flu vaccine um, is still something you should be getting, even though it's less effective than we would have hoped. The latest analysis of the flu vaccine, it's a little better than we thought. It's not as bad as we thought it was. And so it's um, reasonable, and it's also better in children. One texter took a little issue with that. He said, my kid's got flu anyway. It's not, it's not as good as you think. But it's we got to remember, folks, this is about statistics, so the influenza vaccine, I, I like to use seatbelt vaccine. The influenza vaccine this year, even in the year that it's not so great, is roughly as good as seatbelts. And so what do I mean by that? Well, a seatbelt is not – when you're in your car, your seatbelt has not been shown to prevent every injury in the whole wide world. You can still get injured in it when you wear your seatbelt. But a seatbelt has clearly been shown to help prevent you dying. In a car crash. So seatbelts are highly effective at preventing death. They are not effective at preventing every injury. The exact same thing is true for the influenza vaccine. The influenza vaccine is quite effective, even this year, at preventing death in from flu. It will not prevent you from getting a mild case of the flu. It will not prevent aches and pains and sniffles. It might make it less likely, but um, but it is a fact that two-thirds or more of the people who die of influenza will not have received their vaccine. So just like in a car crash, the person wearing the seatbelt is far less likely to die than the person who was not wearing a seatbelt in the same crash. The same thing this year. The person who got the flu shot is less likely to die from influenza than is the one who did not get the vaccine. So it's imperfect, 
but it's still worth doing. Okay. Uh, more about the flu. Someone said, can you get it twice? That's from some good folks, uh, Chris and Steve down in Morton, Minnesota. And the answer is, um, yeah, <laughs> sorry, you can good. get it twice. There's more than one str- strain of the flu that circulates. And you can, your body's very good at developing an immune system to what it has seen before. So if you got influenza two months ago, um, uh, or you got the shot and it includes the one from two months ago, your, your body is pretty good at that. But let's say you got influenza A. Well, in March, influenza B might be the big strain and your body's immune system against influenza B is not well developed. So yes, you can get it twice. All right. Let's go to a couple more. Um, Oh, thank you, Sean from Dassel. This is not a medical question, but at the top of the first um, half of our show, I was asking about CB radios and do they still oh. use them? <laughs> Sean from Dassel says, yes, truckers still do use CBs. They always use Channel 19. Channel 19. Thank okay. you to everybody who's helped uh, keeping our country going and our economy rolling by the truckers out there. Um, I hope you're uh, having a good day and you're safe. And they do use Channel 19. That's that. fascinating. Okay. Um, here's a person says, thanks for mentioning NAMI. I'm a family support group facilitator for a local NAMI group. People need to hear more about it and know that we're available to them. If you missed that in the top half of the show, I'll use this opportunity to talk about my mental health um, uh, topic from last week, which was depression with Dr. Eduardo Colon. If you don't know what NAMI is I encourage, and you're interested in learning more about mental health or learning more about depression, um, uh, go to myhealthymatters.org all one word, myhealthymatters.org, where I have a recap of last week's show, including links to the National Alliance of Mental Illness. That's NAMI. And um, you can learn more about them there. All right. Um, should we keep doing some text sure, messages? Yes, All do. right. Let's see. This person's asking, what, what exactly is influenza? Why are there many different types? Influenza is a viral respiratory illness. It just has lots of different strains of it. Viruses can make a – they can – evolve in the matter of hours to weeks. And so they get new strains, new strains, new strains, and our vaccines can't keep up. Here's a little political plug. Vaccines are made by growing influenza in chicken eggs. That's how we grow it. I think, I'm not sure, but I think they invented that technique like during the Eisenhower administration. I mean, we're talking a long time ago. Um, They literally grow it in egg whites. And um, that is an, and they have to do that six months ahead of the flu season. So they they're making an educated guess about what to what to grow in the eggs. We need a national war on influenza, if you will, and we need our national elected leaders and our state leaders to work with our public health officials to come up with a really effective vaccine that uses 21st century technology, not World War II technology. That's what we need for influenza. And when you think about it. 50,000 people are going to die of influenza this year, 50,000, um, including dozens, hundreds of children. If why are, We should have a national um, campaign to do something about that. Why are we wait, you know, doing it like this? We, we seem to – we don't think about it. But if you imagine a 747 airplane going down every day, that's what's happening. Wow. Um, with that many people dying of influenza, our elected wow. officials need to get on it. That's a little editorializing. That's all right. All right. But it's, you know, I'm not saying exactly Leaders. how it should be done, but we need some leadership <laughs> right. on that. Right. Okay. Let's do something else. Here says a texter that says, is having a prolapsed uterus dangerous? It's very common to have a prolapsed uterus, women. Um, it, it, it can be dangerous if it's causing 
functional problems in your body. So as many women know, and you and I don't, Denny, is that you know your, your pelvic um, muscles weaken um, part, as you age, postmenopausal, um, if, especially if you've had uh, children, if you um, uh, were pregnant and delivered children in your life. The pelvic musculature and all the structures kind of get lax and to put it mildly, everything starts heading south. And your uterus can do that as well. And it can literally kind of fall down into the vaginal canal and sometimes all, you know, a long way. I would recommend you having that fixed because A, it might be uncomfortable, but B, it can, it can start to press on things. It can cause discomfort. It can, it can press on your, where you need to urinate and it can cause problems, um, with your bodily functions and, um, and it can get infected. And so all those kinds of things, I would see a urologist to have that taken care of. Is it dangerous right here and now? Probably not. But it could cause some complications into the future. All right. Uh, should we grab one more before? Sure. We, we let's, we're, we're doing the text uh, lightning round here. Yes. Thank, here's a text that says, thanks for the info. Oh, sorry. Oh, that one I've already answered. That's um, yes. but, uh, I appreciate the text. Here's one that says, my spouse is scheduled for hernia repair surgery. In later this month, but developed cough and crud this week, fever, cough, sinus congestion. Should surgery be postponed? I do usually recommend you postpone a surgery if you've got an acute illness. Um, it's not that you wouldn't make it. You'll probably be fine. But if you have – and when I say an acute illness, if you have a, if you have a little cold, you're OK. Little sniffles, um, that kind of stuff. But if you have a fever – and more widespread illness, um, we usually don't like to operate on people while they're in the midst of an infection. So this surgery is on February 28th, according to the texture. You're probably going to be okay. Um, you don't have to cancel it now. But um, if you're still feeling unwell three or four days ahead of that surgery, you might consider asking your surgeon to cancel it. I remember you were open about it a few years ago that you you yourself had. I had a hernia right? surgery. Yeah. What was the recovery time like? It wasn't so bad. So there's a couple of ways you can do surgeries um, for hernias. And um, and it, a hernia is just a defect in the abdominal wall uh, where, where your organs can kind of push through. They bulge through there. Um, and uh, you can do the, the new fangled way is that they do it laparoscopically. And the recovery is just a day or two. <clears throat> You're feeling fine. Um I had it done the old-fashioned way, which is time-tested. Sometimes the old um, – where they, they make a small incision three, two, three inches long and they put a piece of mesh in there, little – looks like window screen. Sure. I wonder if they bought it down at Home Depot. Oh, they could have. I hope Local not. Local hardware store? I hope the surgeon didn't go down there and buy some window screen material. No, I think it's some sterile, high-tech thing, inert object that they put in there. I don't even know what's in there. And they actually kind of patch it like a – like a home like remodeler might like, like drywall. Like drywall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that the recovery when they have to do that is a little longer. It takes a few days and I was fine a week later. But a few days of a little discomfort um, when you have your hernia surgery. Right. Tell That'd you what good. we have to do, doctor. Let's take a break. We have more uh, more show to come. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. We'll pick up on both when we come back. It's overcast now in the Twin Cities. It's going to be a breezy day. 23 the current temp heading for 42. And good morning. Welcome back to do this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters open line show today. Uh, you, uh, with your phone calls and text messages, drive the show, Dr. Hilden. Let's do it here. Let's take some more text messages here. Um, uh, here's one that says, uh, 
my mom, age 90, had two hip surgeries last fall and seemed to jumpstart memory issues. Does going under anesthesia affect memory? Do you know that that, that question's come up a few yeah, times? Has. And I didn't have a good answer last time, and I don't have a much better answer now. But it seems to be that it comes up enough that there must be something to it. Although my anesthesiology colleagues would say, no, no, you have short-term memory problems You know, the day you wake up and maybe the next day. But it doesn't like do anything long-term to you. And, it's it's hard for me to know because I have had some people who say their older loved one is more forgetful after their surgery. So a texter, I don't have a good answer to that other than to tell you that you are not alone. I have heard that before. And um well, you know, doctors don't know everything. Maybe maybe there is something to that that I'm just not aware of. It's outside my area of expertise, but uh, uh maybe I'll dig into that a little bit more because that question does tend to come up. Um here's one. It says I use my CPAP every night. It works well, but my monitor says I still get three to six events every night. Will I ever get to zero? Thank you for that text, Kevin. Um, I don't know. Um, the CPAPs are the most effective treatment for obstructive sleep apnea. They do it. CPAP stands for continuous positive airway pressure. And the the problem in CPAP is that when you're Breathing in and out, your your airway sort of collapses, and the air can't get in and out, and and so the CPAP simply pushes a little puff of air in with every breath to kind of splint open your airways, thereby preventing your oxygen levels from dropping down when you sleep, thereby making you not so tired during the day, and your snoring's better, and world peace is achieved, and everything. <laughs> now, um, and so, um. The settings can be changed. There's all kinds of different masks and appliances. There's all kinds of different new machines that have automatic settings on them. And all. that's what I would do is, is, is um, have it looked at. Now, if you are not having symptoms, um, if you, and, the, and the main symptoms of sleep apnea are daytime somnolence, daytime you're tired during the day. Um, but if you're, if you're not snoring a great deal at night, you're not waking up too much, and you're not too tired during the day, you probably don't have to worry about it. But if you're still having symptoms, then maybe this texture could have that go. Have, your, again, have I, your machine looked at. I agree. And I, I said it before that Hennepin has a great uh, sleep center. Yeah, there. we have an awesome sleep I mean, center. That's where I had gone for that. Yeah, yeah, it's up on the eighth floor up there on our um, um, green building, the Minnesota Regional Sleep Disorder Center. It's kind of a mouthful, but that's HCMC Sleep Center that was one of the pioneers actually in sleep medicine. They do everything over there. And they've been doing it for decades. They didn't just open up this little storefront sleep center to, so they could make a bunch of money on machines. The sleep center at Hennepin is a medically based, highly, highly trained, competent program in sleep medicine. I should mention a little bit um, before um, the show runs out. Um, I've been talking about it for weeks and it's really exciting that uh, uh, Hennepin Healthcare, which is the name of my employer now, Hennepin Healthcare, of which HCMC is the hospital, but the system of care is way more than just a hospital. We have clinics and things like the sleep center and psychiatric care. And most exciting, we've been looking at it for three years from when it was a parking lot to a hole in the ground to steel girders. Now we have a beautiful new clinic and specialty center, which is opening on March 26th. It is a state of the art. It's one of Minnesota's premier facilities for ambulatory care. There are half a dozen or so same-day surgery now, operating rooms. So I was asked just yesterday, what does ambulatory care mean? Ambulatory care is the clinics. Um, uh, ambulatory meaning you're not in the hospital. Okay. So it's your clinics. 
So this is our clinic and specialty center. And so what we have in there, same-day surgery. And I, um, I've been in every nook and cranny of this building because I give tours of it to our employees. And I was in the ORs the other day. It's cool to be in an OR that's under construction. You know, you can see all of the stuff. And now the operating rooms, they're not really under construction anymore. The lights are on the walls. Oh. The, the gas things for anesthesia are there. It's so cool. It has a whole floor of primary care for internal medicine. It has OBGYN. It has a beautiful pediatrics clinic. The Delta Dental Center um, is amazingly good for dentistry. The eye clinic, the rehab facilities, maybe most exciting is the Comprehensive Cancer Center and the Breast Imaging Center. It's going to be the best experience for women and men who are getting breast imaging, mammography, um, and the like. In fact, um, even while I've been on the show, my good friend Tony Sievert has texted me saying, I'm listening to your show. I'm reading mammograms. You know, so one of our radiologists um, uh, uh, um, who listens to the show, he's going to be helping us out in the, in the mammography center. It's just beautiful. In order to help us out with that, to learn more about what does it take to run a clinic, to answer your questions about clinics and your frustrations and what you might um, want to know about the operations of a hospital, like a clinic – Next week's show is going to be about it. We're uh-huh. going to have Dr. Jeff Morkin and Molly Jacques, which are the team, the doctor and the, and the administrative leaders of our new clinic and specialty center. We're going to talk to us about a clinic, about how we operate clinics, about some of the features of our new clinic and to answer your questions. That's next week's show. You want to tune in for that. Um, and in addition, we have an open house for the new clinic and specialty center. That open house is for the public, and it's on March 17th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can come and tour the building. There's refreshments. Um, The artwork is on the walls. It's just gorgeous. March 17th from 10 to 2 p.m. is the open house. It's right on 8th and Park in downtown Minneapolis. And also listen to next week's show for lots more about what does it take to run a clinic and maybe get some of your questions answered. Speaking of shows, Doctor, I think we are – the planning is in the works anyway that we're going to be doing our show from that location. We are. We're going to do a, a live radio broadcast from the probably from the beautiful open-air atrium of the Clinic and Specialty Center. So listen for more about that in upcoming weeks as well. That's going to be fun. All right. Should we try to grab another text yep, before we head Yeah, let's do this one. My, here's a text that says, My husband, age 64, recently began walking for exercise. He has experienced pain in the front outer shin area and both legs during this. When he got home, the veins in this area were visibly pulsing and bulging. He doesn't have ver- visible varicose veins. His walks have not been long, so it's concerning he's having this symptom. Is it normal? Uh, it, I don't know if it's normal, but it might be common if you're starting a new exercise program to get some kind of leg issues. My first thought was that he's having shin splints, um, anterior shin pain, any shin in the front. That's what anterior means. Is sometimes shin splints. It's when sort of weekend warriors, guys like me actually, start exercising a lot more and maybe overdoing it. So making sure he has good shoes is the number one thing. And if you're having shin pain, just cut back your intensity of your exercise a little bit. The other thing, could it be um, um, vascular? Yes, it could be. If you're having pain in your legs with exercise that gets better when you stop, it could be your veins or your arteries. And if that's the case, go to your primary care doctor, get some basic ultrasound or some basic blood pressure measurements to see if that might be the case. Varicose veins are not dangerous. They can be uncomfortable and unsightly, but they're not dangerous. But if it's an arterial problem, the blood that is going to his legs, that's what an artery does. That's something you might want to know about. So if he's having pain that gets better when he rests, go see your doctor for that. 
How about we try one more before we leave? Okay, one more. This one says, my hernia has expanded to the size of a basketball with more of the size of baseballs around the edge. What can be done? So far, no one will touch it. That's a huge hernia. If you've got one, usually they're the size of a grape or, yeah. a, you know, a, a golf ball. Um, the size of a basketball is huge. Find a, a specialist surgeon. That's a surgeon's problem, maybe a cosmetic surgeon, maybe a plastic surgeon. You might try the HCMC surgeons. They are as good as they get at weird stuff. Mm. A hernia the size of a basketball qualifies as a little bit weird. So go see a surgeon. All right. And as we always like to say, uh, we hope you join us again next week. But if you don't have even a primary care doc, yeah, now is a good time to do that. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Denny. Um, call us up at 612-873-MY-MD to get set up with one of our doctors or providers at any of our clinics throughout the Western Metro area at Hennepin Healthcare. 612-873-6963. And just say, hey, I need a new primary care doctor. What do you have for me? 612-873-MYMD. And uh, next week again, we're going to talk about the new facility. And I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see that myself when we uh, do the broadcast. I'd I'll show you see around, Denny. This way then if I'm <laughs> rather under the weather. Exactly. It's that time to see it. I'll show you around. We're going to do a live show from there and listen next week for a show from studio about the clinic and good specialty center. Have a good week, doctor. Thanks very much. And uh, stay tuned next uh, for a look at that forecast. And then uh, Bruce and Peg will be around with more of your money. 23 degrees right now. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.